All right, y'all can have a seat. Good morning. How are y'all? Good? Really? I'm glad, because I am too. It's a beautiful day today. It's like, I guess we're all feeling AJ said it. Amy said it. Like, it's, it's good. So thank you for being here on a pretty day in Asheville. It's interesting. When we were planting the church, uh, we were connected with church planters kind of all over the nation. And they lamented, like, snow days because people didn't come out. They lamented, like, even rainy days when people didn't come out. And I was like, no, no, no. Here in Asheville, like, people show up on, you know, like, if, it, if it's drivable, they'll be here. Rain, they'll be here. Give them a pretty day and they're gone. Right? Like, <laughs> that's what it is because we love getting outside. So, so I'm so glad that we get to be together today and worship and, and, and look at God's word together. And, and here's uh, what I've been praying for us. Uh, today is that uh, for some of you, whether you're listening here or whether you're listening online, that you will see that Jesus really is the Savior that you need. Right? Like, like I, I pray that that happens for some of us. I also pray for all of us. Today we, see, we, we get to see that there's stuff in our life uh, that we like to hold on to, and we like to hold on to probably mostly just out of habit. And, and I've been praying for us to be able to give that to Jesus and to receive what he offers instead. And we're going to see three particular things. But, 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 and I pray that we give up those things and get from Jesus uh, what he has for us instead. And so with that, go ahead and open your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. We're going to be in verses 6 through 11, and I'm going to explain why. Here's what we're doing. We are taking a four-week like mini-series, if you will, called And Then. And you might have seen the, the graphic that was up there. Uh, because, because here's why. Um, um, when we were finishing up Mark, and, and Matt and I were talking about what we... what series we want to do next, what book of the Bible we want to do next. We teach typically through books of the Bible at a time. If you're new today, we've just finished up a year in the book of Mark. So, so, so we like to, to, to kind of take our time uh, in books of the Bible. And uh, there was something that was stirring in me as I kind of sought the Lord on that, that, that we're not quite finished with Mark yet. Right, like particularly the way Mark ends, if you remember from last week, it ends so abruptly, doesn't it? And, and the resurrection is the core of our faith. Like Paul said, if it wasn't for the resurrection, then we are the biggest fools there is. Right? It's the resurrection. And so, so it seemed like a little incomplete to stop when Jesus was resurrected and then just move on to something else. And so we're going to do this little mini-series looking at what happened next. So you have the resurrection and then what? And so we're going to spend four weeks talking about the ascension, the filling of the Holy Spirit, the, the birth and mission of the church, and then this future hope that we have. And then, and then we're going to jump into Ecclesiastes on Mother's Day. Perfect, right? Perfect. Uh, it's just that's the way it worked out. And I'm like, why, why not start it on Mother's Day? It's actually a great book for, for parents. Um, uh, and so, so anyway, so we'll do that uh, in four weeks, which, yes, I think that means Mother's Day is like in four weeks, FYI, give or take. All right. All right. So let me catch you up on what happened like right after the resurrection. When Mark ended, if you remember, uh, the women that were there, uh, the angel told them to go to the disciples and Mark ends it with, and they left afraid and didn't talk to anyone. 
Well, when we look at the other gospel accounts, we can see what happened is when they left the tomb... Jesus was in a garden, and they didn't recognize him, and then they did, and, and he spoke to them, and, and what was fear turned to faith, and they were able to go tell the disciples, and that's what they did, and so they went to where the disciples were gathered and told them, guess what? Jesus has risen, just as he said, which started a foot race between Peter and John, which John so eloquently lets us know that Peter had to lead for a little while, but... He caught up and was the first one in, right? Like, like uh, we know that they went, they, they realized that Jesus is alive. And so then that started this whole, uh, this whole time where Jesus spent time with his disciples for 40 days teaching them, right? And so for 40 days he was with his disciples after the resurrection, and he met them, and not just, not just the 11 of his disciples, but with a larger group than that. And he was teaching them more about God's word. And so with that, we pick up in verse 6. right? Acts chapter 1, verse 6. It says, And so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Right? Now, John Calvin said there is many problems with this question as there are words in it, right? They've been with the resurrected Jesus for 40 days. They have been with him, some of them have been with him since the very beginning of his ministry three years before that. And they asked this question, is now the time? Now, I don't know about your translation. My translation has 11 words in it. I'm not going to show 11 problems. I'm just going to show three, right? Three of the biggest problems with their question. Because right? here's, here's the deal. They've been with Jesus for 40, like 40 days, with the resurrected Jesus. Right? Like they saw him die on the cross. They saw him be put into a tomb. And then they saw that tomb emptied. And now they're seeing this resurrected Jesus in a resurrected body teaching them. Right? And during that time, Thomas's doubt has turned to faith. Right? Peter who denied Jesus, has, has met Jesus and, and met restoration with Jesus, right? All of them have been in this season where they've been encouraged and by Jesus lead them like their Savior leading them, like they've been taught, they've been, they've been lifted up. And, and the book of Luke says what, what Jesus did is he opened their eyes and their hearts to the Scriptures. For the first time in their lives, they're understanding God's way, word in a way that they had never done it before. And then... Luke tells us, he's the one that wrote the book of Acts. He says, after all of that, their question is, are you finally going to do what we've been waiting for you to do and be the king and kick Rome out? Like, are, is it time now for the kingdom of Israel to be restored? They've been waiting in their mind, and now's the time. Right? So let me ask you this. Do you know what this is called? What is this called when you want something and you want it right now? Impatience, right? Impatience. Anybody ever struggle with being impatient for something, right? Right? This is what they're doing. They're, they're feeling this, this desire for Jesus to be king, right? And I think it's a misinformed desire, what we'll see, but, but, but they're saying, is now the time, like now's the time, right? Now's the time that you're going to do what we know, we know, we know this is what you've been wanting to do. Like it now is the time, right? 
Let me ask you, anybody ever want God to do something? Something good, right? Something right and like want it right now and not want to wait, right? Maybe you're, you, you get tired of praying for the same thing over and over and over again. Anybody been in those shoes? You get tired of praying for yourself. You get tired of praying for your kids. You get tired of praying for your spouse. You get tired of praying for your, your coworker, your friends, your parent, your finances. Because like, it seems like it's the same thing over and over again. You're like, God, your word says this. I am standing on that promise. And I got nothing. Anybody been there? That's where they are. Right? And if you're there too long... What happens is impatience can turn to anger, it can turn to depression, it can turn to apathy where you just stop praying altogether. Not out of a place of trust and faithfulness, but out of a place of just giving up. Well, here's the second problem. The second problem to their question. The ESV uses the word restore. Right? Now, this is a signal to what they want. Because what they're asking Jesus, will you restore to us the kingdom of Israel? In other words, they're saying, Jesus, is now the time that you can rewind the clock to the good old days. The days where we were in charge. The days where we were a super nation. Remember those? Like, are, is, is now the time that you're going you're gonna to rewind the clock back to the good old days and put us in charge again, right? Because we need to get Rome out, right? You need to be king, Jesus. That's, that's what needs to happen. And then the implication is, and us rule, rule by your side. You get to be king, you do your king thing, and then let us take care of Rome. We'll get them out. If now's the time, right? Because now's the time that you're going to restore things. Now's the time that you're going to rewind the clock, right? You know what it's called when you want to be in charge? Do you know what it's called when you want to have the power that somebody else has? It's this word, control. All right, now if impatience didn't get you, how does control grab you, right? Because see, they don't like being at the bottom of the ladder. They don't like being the oppressed people or the outcast. And I mean, who does? Nobody does, right? But their answer is to let us be the ones who kick people out. Let us be the ones who choose who is oppressed and who's not oppressed. Let us make Rome the oppressed people. Let us make Rome the outcast people. Let us take charge again. Let us be in control again. Right? And it's the problem that, that we see, I mean, honestly, we see it in our society today that, that there is this, this thinking and this theory that if, if an oppressed person becomes the person in charge, that will fix oppression. History has shown us when that happens, all that that does is it, is it uh, creates a new type of oppressed people, right? That, that controlling power doesn't actually fix anything. The third problem is that they talk about the kingdom of Israel, right? Their question is about land and borders, right? It's about territory. They say, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel, right? 
And so here's what the problem with this is, is now they've put God in a box. Jesus, you are king just of Israel, though. Right? See, this box that they're asking is contained to a map of Israel. You know what this feels like to me? Y'all, anytime, and this is, this is not you, this is us, right? Anytime that we make this box and try and put God in this box, here's what this box is defined by. Here's what the borders of this box are defined by, and it's this. It's comfort. Right? Nobody puts God in a box that's uncomfortable. We only put God in a box that's comfortable for us. Right? It means that I'm comfortable with God doing this, not that. Right? If God does that, I don't know. I don't know. God is here. God is the king of Israel. Not, not, not nothing else. Like, let's just keep it here. Restore us to power. Right? I'm good with God keeping me here, not taking me there. Right? I'm good with God asking me to use my money this way or this much of my money. I'm not good with him asking me to use my money this way. I'm not good with him asking me to use this much of my money. That's uncomfortable. Anybody, I don't know, anybody ever get uncomfortable with God? Like you read the Bible and you're like, ah, God doesn't act that way anymore, right? Well, let's watch how Jesus answers this question. I mean, those are just the top three. Y'all can spend some more time on that question and find some more problems with the question. But that's what jumped out at me is their impatience, their control, and their desire for comfort. But here's what Jesus is going to do. Jesus is going to answer their question in such a Jesus-like way. Look at what he says. Verse 7. He says, He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Right? And so now he's speaking directly to their impatience. And to to their impatience, he's saying, God knows the time. And and he uses this word uh, authority, right? That God has set the time under his authority. Now, when you hear the word authority, when I say the word authority, you hear it. What does that bring up in you? Right? Does that bring up maybe, oh, I don't know, the police officer that pulled you over for only going nine miles over the speed limit? And you've got the sirens behind you and you've been busted, Right? Does it pull up for you this, this, this moment maybe you had as a child or maybe multiple moments that you had when you were a child with your parents who exercised their authority, maybe in not a, a, a great way? Right? What does it stir up for you? Like, let me, let me paint this familiar situation that probably has happened to all of us, right? Right? You're a kid, you're getting a little more impatient with your parents, and you ask the when question, right? And that when question can have lots of, of information in it. That, that when question could be, uh, you're on a road trip, and what's the big question? When are we going to get there? Right? Which always comes up about 10 minutes after you left the house. Right? When are we going to eat? Which comes up after you've just cleaned up lunch. Right? Like, like when, when am I going to uh, get an iPhone or get a phone? 
Right? That question keeps, no pointing fingers, people. Like, just let's just roll with it. Let's just roll with it. I know, I know, I know. Or how about this one? When can I be finished? Like, anybody, you know, to the adults in the room, like, do you remember being in that place and asking those questions? And, like, to the, when can I be finished? Like, nine times out of ten, what is the response you remember? You'll be finished when I say you're finished. Right? Like, like anybody ever hear that come out of, a, of a, anybody as a parent? Have you heard that come out of your mouth and been like, oh, I just did it? Right? Like, like that moment where you turn in to the, to the, to the parents that just drove you crazy. Right? Like, like, like that's it. That's impatience. And, and when we hear authority, oftentimes that's what we think of. Right? We think of this exasperated authority figure operating out of their exhaustion, operating out of their weariness, operating out of their quickness, right? But, the, but the, the word that Jesus uses here is a completely different view of authority because it is this view of authority, of, 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 of being like this government-type position, like a person being over a person. So it is that. But when Jesus is saying this, and so it's easy to think that's that, but when Jesus is saying this, you know, he's, what he's doing is, is he's saying that when God says, right, that he's ready, the kingdom will be restored. And so it's easy to think that that's what it, what it, what it says, but, but there's more to it than that. Because this word authority actually has at its root in the original language a word for relationship. So it's not just somebody saying, go do this. The kingdom will be ready when I say it's ready. It's God saying something completely different because it's not based in, in, in this authority. It's based in a relationship. Right? In other words, Jesus is saying it's a decision that's been made by God who has you in his mind who has you in his heart. It's a, relation, it's a decision that's been made, right, with your relationship to God in mind and your relationship to each other in mind. And so Jesus is saying, yes, God knows the time. And you can be with him as you wait for that time. That we can actually trust God as we wait. And so what Jesus can take from us is Jesus can take our impatience and instead he asks him to keep trusting him. And so that thing, that thing that was coming to your mind when I said you get tired of praying the same thing over and over and over again, that your impatience is actually an invitation to trust God who is in authority and who knows the times and the seasons and who knows right where you are and who knows right where that other person is or right where your soul is. And it is an invitation to trust him as you wait. You see, impatience separates. But trust invites us into a relationship. You see, y'all, here's the deal. We get to be in a relationship with God when we're impatient with God. Isn't that so Jesus-like? Because when we get impatient with each other, we want to separate. We want to send somebody to their room. We want to just take a drive, go to Target for a minute, right? Like we just need some space, right? But with Jesus, 
He's saying, no, 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 God is different. When you get impatient with Jesus, it's actually an invitation to sit with him and to trust him and to wait on him to be the faithful God that we know he is. Look at the rest of of, uh, the first part of verse 8. It says, uh, so he said, you know, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And so here's what Jesus is doing. Remember, they use the word restore, and they're talking about political power. Jesus, give us the political power again, and, and we will be a strong, godly government. But Jesus has a better plan. He's not going to give them political power. He is going to put the power of God inside of them. Inside of them as a group of Jesus followers and inside of them as individual Jesus followers. Right? He's not going to put them in a position to have power over people. He's going to put God's power in them. The Holy Spirit power in them, which we'll see more about next week. You see, in their desire to have this political power and control, God is going to give them his power instead. You see, because here's what a political power does. In the best case scenario, a political kingdom wants to provide and protect its people, its citizens. That's what it wants to do, best case scenario. Oftentimes, political governments end up, though, Doing that some, but they do that by taking from other people, by ruling over, by keeping out or putting down other people. That's the way political power works, unfortunately. But God's power, God's kingdom, the Holy Spirit in a group of people looks vastly different. Right? Because that power enables us to serve one another, not rule over each other. It allows us to lift each other up, not put each other down. It allows us to lead with humility instead of wanting to control. Right? That power we will see like heals the sick and, and invites us to share that power, not hoard it. And we protect the defenseless. You see, the key to God's kingdom What Jesus is going to show us next week, what Luke is going to show us next week, the key to God's kingdom isn't to rule over, it's to submit to God. You see, Jesus takes our control and asks us to surrender to the Holy Spirit, to be filled with that power instead of this political power. Now, I'm not saying you can't be in political power and not be godly. You sure can, and listen, I hope I hope all of you do one day, because I would love to continue to see more and more people following Jesus who are also leading the people around them. But Jesus is saying political power is not the goal. The power of God in us is the goal. And to get that, you don't control, you surrender to It's why Paul, later in his letters, will use terms like be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. These words are words of surrender and submission to an authority who has you and me in mind. To an authority that isn't just telling us what to do and then we're supposed to go do it. It's an authority that invites us to be in relationship with him. And so church, can we release our control and power and instead surrender to the power of God? That's the question.
Well, if so, then we get to see this happen. Look at the rest of verse 8. It says, And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now remember, they wanted borders. They wanted control, right? They wanted Rome out. and these, They wanted the comfort of what was familiar back in the past. But Jesus tell them, tells them, listen, guys, I got news for you. The kingdom of Israel, no, 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 the kingdom of God is going to be bigger. You're going to go to Jerusalem. Okay, check, good, that's Israel. Yes, 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 Samaria, what? What? That's where the people live that we're not supposed to be around. Yeah, 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 I know. And you're going to go to the very ends of the earth. You see, Jesus moved them from this place of comfort. No, 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 let's just remember, remember, remember. Jesus, you've read the Old Testament, you know. Like, remember when we were in charge? Oh, that was the good old days, right? And Jesus said, no, 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 there's going to be some really good new days ahead. In the kingdom of Israel, you're not going to stop there. You're going to go well beyond the borders of your comfort. And so what Jesus does is he takes our desire for comfort and he says, I will meet you in the uncomfortable. Right? Because if you go back to the end of Matthew where Jesus tells them to go and make disciples of all the nations, he ends that statement with, I will be with you wherever you go. And so it's not just go and do what I've told you to do. It is, it is go and I will be with you when you go into these uncomfortable places. He meets us. He is with us. He moves us to areas that we consider uncomfortable. And so church, the question here for us to this idea of comfort, are we willing to go with God to those uncomfortable places knowing he will be there? That's the question. Are you willing to take that thing that you're praying for, that good and right thing that you're praying for, and trust that either God will answer it or he will move you to an uncomfortable place and meet you there? Right? That's that's what Jesus is telling them. You're going to go to some very uncomfortable places. And y'all, aren't we glad they did? Because remember, we're in Asheville, North Carolina, and that is quite a way from Israel. And if they had gotten what they wanted, we wouldn't get what we needed. And we need Jesus as our Savior. Right? Okay, so do you see a theme here? The disciples were impatient, wanted control and comfort, and all of these separate in their own way, right? Like impatience wants something now, and I mean right now, and oftentimes impatience will hold a relationship hostage until that thing is given, right? They wanted control, which demands obedience for a relationship to thrive, and they wanted, they wanted to, 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 to be comfortable, which removes the uncomfortable. And all of these are about separation. But Jesus showed them that what God is doing in and through them brings them closer to the presence with God, with the Holy Spirit. They are asked to, to trust God, be filled with the Holy Spirit, to have the Spirit of God in them, and to go to those uncomfortable places with God. Now, on our staff, we use, we use this question uh, sometimes, this with God, the withness of God, to kind of ask, like, how are we all doing, right, in our spiritual life and in the fact that we have a vocational job in ministry where, where we can, like, sometimes it's weird to get paid to do ministry and to do the things that we love to do. And, and so we often ask this question, and it's this, are we working for or with Jesus, 
Where are we right now? Are we working for or with Jesus? Because here's what for Jesus does. For Jesus separates us from Jesus. He's told us what to do. I'll go do it, and I'll give him some attention whenever I'm done, right? With Jesus is completely different. It's, it's, well, it's with Jesus, right? It's doing whatever it is with Jesus, and there's a big difference because here's what the disciples are asking. The disciples are asking Jesus, will you restore the kingdom of Israel for us? For us. To us. Right? And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. I'm going to show you the kingdom of God with God. I'm going to show you a kingdom with God. Right? And with this truth, this passage just dripping of the witness of God, this happens. And then he had said these things, and as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took, took him out of their sight. So here's the, Jesus is saying, like, all this stuff, like, with God, with God, you're going to go to uncomfortable places. You're going to be filled with the Spirit of God. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna move from this place of, of control to trust in God as your authority who loves you and who has great plans for you. Like, like you're going to do all this, and then all of a sudden, he lifts up, and he's gone. Right? That's called the ascension. And the ascension is Jesus ascending into heaven. And here's why he did that. Because he's told them multiple times over and over again that he is going to send the Holy Spirit. And so now Jesus' earthly ministry is done. Right, This part of his earthly ministry is done. He is going to come back again in the future. But this part of his earthly ministry is done. And now we see what Jesus is doing. Because the scriptures tell us what Jesus is doing when he is raised into heaven. It says in Romans 8.34, it says, he is, seated, he is seated at the right hand of God, interceding on our behalf. In other words, he is sitting with God going, okay, here's what they meant. Right? He is being our lawyer. He is being our, our advocate. As a matter of fact, that's what John says in 1 John. He says, we have an advocate with the Father. And so, and so he is there with, with the Father representing us to God. God working with us. That's what Jesus is doing. And he's making room now for the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, to be in us, which we'll talk about next week. Look at verse 10. Because look at how the people respond to this. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This is Jesus who is taken, who is taken up from you to heaven and will in the same way as you saw, as you saw him go and will in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Right? In other words, what happens in the ascension is Jesus is lifted up, and they're standing there going, huh. Hmm. And as, before they even have a chance to look down, all of a sudden these two angels, is what Luke is showing us, these two angels are in their presence, drawing their attention from the clouds back to each other and back to earth. Right? They're looking at the sky thinking God has left and what Luke shows us is God has pulled back the spiritual page a little bit so we can see that, no, actually the eternal is with them. 
right? It's this, it's this picture that can look like separation, like the eternal ascending into heaven. But Luke is showing us that these angels appear to show them that the eternal, that the spiritual, uh, that God's messengers are right there with them again. And so do you see this theme repeating itself that what looks like separation is the withness of God? That instead of them worrying about Jesus is gone, what do we do now? Luke very quickly shows us that immediately they got to see the presence of heaven right there with them. The eternal with them. And Luke is saying that in that very moment, it's like they've learned all this. that God is not up there. He is not the boss upstairs. He is right here with us. The eternal with us. Now let's be clear, angels are messengers of God. They are not God, but Luke is showing us that in the midst of these group of people, the eternal is right there with them. And so it's time now for them to do as Jesus has told them to do. He's told them to go and pray and wait for the Holy Spirit. And this is what they do. They gather and they pray, and that's where we pick up next week. Right? We see Pentecost is coming, and that's 50 days after the resurrection. And so we know that, that Jesus ascended on the 40th day. And so there's 10 days where they gather together and they pray. And until then, we only have to wait seven. We'll be back next week. Until then, I wonder where these words describe me and you. Impatient, control, comfort. Where do these words resonate with you? Are these words familiar to your relationship with God, to your relationship with others? If so, real, Jesus really does have a better way. To your impatience, Jesus asks you to trust him. Right? To your control, Jesus invites you right, to surrender to the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. He takes your need for comfort. And instead says he is going to give you his presence not only in the comfortable places, but also in those uncomfortable places. And let me ask you, which is better? A life of impatience, control, and comfort? And you have to say all three. You can't just pick one. Right? Because let's be honest, comfort does sound pretty good, doesn't it? I like a comfy couch. Right? But what's better? A life of impatience, control, and comfort? And doing all of that for Jesus, where you do your do, you do your diligence, you show up to church, you read your Bible, you say your prayers in the morning, you say your prayers in the evening, and you are doing all of this, and there's been no transformation in your life, no change in your life. That's what impatience, control, and comfort look like for Jesus. But with Jesus is something very different. With Jesus is a transformed life of trusting in God, a transformed life of surrendering to the power of the Holy Spirit, a transformed life of going to those uncomfortable places with Jesus. For no other reason other than you, you believe God is leading you there and you trust that he will meet you there. Which life is better? You see, if you're realizing that your entire life has been for God and not with God, then I ask you to say yes to Jesus because he is the bridge to a relationship with God who loves you and who made you, right? The God who created you, the God who has formed you, the God, the God who knows every step you're going to take and every plan ahead of you and every place your feet have been in your past. That, that God 
Jesus has, has died on the cross and risen from the dead to show you he is the way to have a relationship with that God. And it really is as simple as saying yes to Jesus' offer of salvation. And as Amy talked about in the announcements, if you, have the, if you have said yes to Jesus, and maybe today is the day you did that, and I hope so, and you would like to make a public profession of your faith, we've got a baptism coming up in May, and we would love uh, to, ha- to, to help you make that public profession of your faith. For those of us who have said yes to Jesus, here's what I ask you to do. Consider this question at the end of the day, every day this week. So for the next six days, because next Sunday, you know, We'll be together again, right? Right? For, 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 or you could ask it today. Anyway, you know. You can do the math, right? For the next week, here's what I want you to do. is I want you to ask this question at the end of every day. Where am I working for Jesus? And where am I working with Jesus? Where am I working for Jesus? And where am I working with Jesus? Now, if you're like me, you're going to gravitate toward the negative. And you're going to make a list of 50 places you worked for Jesus, not with Jesus. Church, hear me on this. Here's what I want you to do. Focus on the with Jesus part. Just for for this week. You can go back to the for Jesus next week. Focus on the with Jesus this week. Where have you been working with Jesus? Are we good? All right. Yes? Got the question? Here's what I want you to do too. If you think about it, shoot me an email, fred at fellowshipashville.com, and share with me where you're working with Jesus. I would love to be encouraged by that, right? I would love to know. So you can Facebook, you can DM me, you can do whatever, but, but, but I would love to, to be encouraged by that. Let me pray for us. Worship team's going to come up. Um, let's pray. Jesus, you are a good God, and I pray um, that your goodness seeps into us today. I pray that we are able to to know that you are a God who is with us. Right? You are not a God who sits on a throne in heaven and just makes declarations for us to obey. You are a God who gives us your very spirit to empower us and to lead us and to guide us. And so, God, I pray that that Holy Spirit would do what needs to be done today to convict, to encourage to, to lift up, to, to shave off like you would do your work. In Christ's name we pray, amen.